the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for counterculture. Are you tired of how divided we are? Let's find the peacemakers. Think everyone is mean and selfish? Let's talk to those who are helping us all be more loving and caring. Think our culture is going downhill? Let's meet those who are helping us flourish. And now your host, Jonathan Sanborn. And hello again. Thank you. I just, that's the first thing word that comes out of my mouth. It's not just because we just had Thanksgiving, but I am legitimately thankful. The, there's gratitude flowing through me. God's God's in control. He's t- He's taking care of things. I love what I do. I love what's happening with this show. Lots of cool things. I think going into next year, I can't wait to tell you about some cool things and developing with it. But I get to interview and talk with some of the best people in town, even around this country, because I'm trying to find those pe- people on counterculture, as you know, if you've been listening, people who are tr- uh, doing things differently have maybe gone off the beaten path and have chosen to, instead of uh, fighting the fight, they've chosen to be peacemakers instead of, I mean, there might be fights to fight, but but they've oriented themselves to be peacemakers. Instead of cursing and condemning culture, they've chose to lift up and and improve and engage culture. And instead of being selfish and, and building our own empires, they seek to build compassion and, in, our, in our culture and get to highlight those people. So that's really why we're here. And I'm glad you keep tuning in to hear, hear the show. And it just means a lot to me. And today in studio, I, I am honored to have Jeff Blake with us. Welcome, Jeff. I am glad to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. <laughs> I met Jeff in passing at an event, and I was like, "Man, I it was at I think it was at Grand Canyon University." That's right. Yep. And I'm like, "I need to know this guy." I don't know why. <laughs> it's like maybe people are introducing me and said, "You need to know." Him. But that I just like I just like this guy. He's he's he is he is likable. Jeff Blake is the superintendent of Phoenix Christian Preparatory School, and just just has a, gr- a gr- long background in education, twenty years as well as twenty years in youth ministry. And also served as a pastor, so just just a, a, has an incredible story and his background. And I have also had the honor of walking around campus with this guy and tell this guy knows how to work a crowd. Can work. He's he's wa- we're walking to room to classroom. It, it was it was a magical like this. This guy loves his school. This guy loves what he does, and the students love him too. There's just a you, you had to feel it. I just felt it. I saw it. Thank you for that. It was really cool, and I, I hope we have more opportunities to to be on the on campus there. It's a, a lot of stuff happening. You bet, you bet. I'm grateful. That's really generous and big shoes to fill for what you've <laughs> laid out there. But yeah, I'm, don't disappoint me, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> I have high standards. <laughs> I'm here for what you want. <laughs> this is great. So, um, so another fun fact: Jeff is has four children, mm-hmm. um, and what are their ages? So, oh. Oh my word! Uh, Brooklyn is sixteen. She's my oldest. She's a okay. junior, and then I and it goes to TJ. He is thirteen. He's an eighth grader, and then I have Annie, who is eleven, and she's a fifth grader. Okay, and then Landon, who's ten, he's a fourth grader. Man, 
cool names. Probably, I'm sure they're cool kids because I, I, I briefly met your wife, and so I just awesome. And uh, so, what's and your wife's name is Lisa. Lisa. Okay, and you, you've been and this. No, here, we just found this out right before we went on air that we were married one day apart. Pretty cool. That's amazing. So we were just talking about our anniversaries coming up, and they're what your twentieth in December. When in December, <laughs> and suddenly we're like uh, one day apart. We were married, so that's that's pretty awesome. Congratulations on twenty years. Same, same. And there's a lot of people who are like, I didn't know you. You know, they they're shocked <laughs> that that's that that would happen. But yeah, we were in Los Angeles, and, and we were at our, even at our tenth. People were shocked that, that anyone <laughs> makes it to ten years, and here we are both in our twentieth. It goes so, so fast. It it's does go amazing. fast. Yeah. Um, one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. And um, so, I'm with you on that. So we're we're both, so not only married a day apart, we also have made both made great decisions. No doubt, married one of the best decisions ever. <laughs> so now we're going to play our the game that we all know and love called Fake News, where you say something true and something not true about yourself, and then I try to guess which what is true. It's kind of like two truths and a lie, but just sort of like one one truth and a lie. So okay. I try to guess okay. what's fake in, in any order. You just pick whatever order. Okay, so um, uh, my brother is an FBI agent who served in counterterrorism, and my granddad was a senator. Okay, um, I I would I want to ask a clarifying question, like state or nat or can I say that? Can I with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a state or national, federal. That's that's part of it. Okay, so. no, I get. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, then I mean I, I don't need to know. Okay, your granddad was a senator. And your brother was in counterterrorism in the FBI. Well, either of those are plausible. They're not ridiculous, especially if it's like a state senator. Even the even and so I'm going to say your granddad was not a senator. You're you're on the right path. He was a state senator, but not a federal not senator. Not a federal yeah, senator. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. so then was your so then your brother was in counterterrorism. For a season he was in counterterrorism. Now he works in sort of civil justice, but he's still an FBI agent in Philadelphia. Wow. Okay. Well. <laughs> Well, it's not bad. I guess. See, it helps when I'm in person. I can look at. Yeah. I can. I can see the lies in your eyes. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, I should I'm, be able to hide it after I work with kids for my whole life. <laughs> you work kids your whole life. <laughs> I've had a lot of practice. I'm sure. It. Yeah, that's right. Oh, I'm sure kids going to Phoenix Christian School would never lie to ever, anybody. Ever. Yeah. I mean, my kids would never lie. I mean, in a Christian home. Right. I mean, uh, nothing but the truth. Nothing. Yeah. All gumdrops and roses. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just play the, you sit on a throne of lies. I know you're lying right now. <laughs> what are you trying to, how, how dumb do you think I am? <laughs> so, I know. But, yeah, so it's just really, I, I so that's, I, so I'm, I'm fairly good at fake news, but I know I'm, I've lost at least half. I'm so, impressed. Okay. I'm impressed. So half, I guess, is I'm a coin toss. Um, so now I just want to hear this is you're a superintendent of a school this didn't just come out of nowhere what's your background that made besides the the bio stuff but what's your background in your like your story that made you care about a, a school like what you're involved in well sure well it really begins you know originally I'm a graduate of Grand Canyon University okay yeah, lopes up lopes up and while I was there there was a lot of opportunity for me to study at home and abroad and which we, we talked a little bit about off right. air. I studied in Oxford England for a little right. bit right same um but really, I was I was a, actually a Clinton intern in, really? in D.C., and we were part of an organization called the American Studies Program, 
which I didn't realize at the time was strongly connected with a large group of underground networking uh, Christians within the district looking to seek and expand the kingdom in every dimension of responsibility in, in the district. In D.C.? In D.C. Uh, wow, okay. And I was connected with a group over at um, U.S. Department for Education. We'd, we'd do our internship during the day, then come home in the evenings and study, and it was all about integration of faith and life and implementing our faith in a really secular environment like Washington, D.C. Sure. Things were going really well for me. Grades were going well. It's intense. You, I mean, you, you, sure. you're probably up every night till 1, 2 in the morning just getting caught up, and you're back up at 5, getting ready for your internship Whoa. and do it all over the next day. Um, you break it up in between. You study domestic policy, then foreign policy, really super intense. While I was in that program, um, and we were particularly in our domestic po- – in our foreign policy unit, there was a revolution unfolding in Nigeria. Okay. There was a fella that was um, next in line. I think he was in line really to be the vice president of Nigeria, but he was a a committed follower of Christ. Interesting. While he was there, um, there was threats on his life made from Muslim extremists. And so this group that was in D.C. actually smuggled him out of the district, smuggled him out of Nigeria, brought him to the district. He actually became one of our professors, and he would speak and teach on biblical shalom how to implement mm. the idea of, of shalom and foreign policy, international relations. It was amazing. Wow. I'd sit and listen to him for two, three hours. His lectures would go late into the evening, and then I'd ask, can I come home and spend some time with you, you know, and you and your wife, and he'd make dinner and, we, and talk even more. And what I saw in him was someone with the gift and passion to be a teacher. Mm. Long story short, um, started meeting with some folks, and they said, hey, we see you getting really excited about education, maybe not so excited about the politics side of what you're right, doing. Right, Why don't you start volunteering, teaching in inner city D.C.? I started doing that on top of everything else, fell in love with this idea of teaching. I wanted to be like this fellow. His name was Larry. Um, long story short, came home, switched things around, pursued education, uh, went off to, to England to study. And while I was in England, I learned that Larry had gone home. He had become homesick. His wife became homesick. They actually ended up going home to Nigeria. And within a very short period of time, he was martyred for his faith. Oh, my goodness. So wow. I can tell you, I personally know a martyr. And literally, when, when I step on the foot of the campus, I want to be like Larry. Wow. And so that's, that's kind of where my first impulse and desire really mm. to be an educator. And I saw the power of a teacher. That's really where that kind of came in and fit for me and it aligned with my faith journey. And yeah. So, so in the sense, you, you, you're not, not that you walk on thinking, um, I'm, I'm, I could get shot going to school, but it's more like this is something I'm willing to die for or give my life for. Is no, that what you're thinking? I, I'm willing to give my entire life for it, yeah. whatever that looks right. like, whatever that takes. Right. And to be a little bit, just if I can just be a little bit like him and share how he inspired mm-hmm. me. And so, mm-hmm. yes, like come home, get things moved around, comes time to do my student teaching, and I get a call from a little school called Phoenix Christian. Okay. Never heard of it. Right. Never, ever heard of it. Went down and interviewed, and of course, it sits down at about 19th Avenue and Indian School. Um, it's a part of town that's a little bit older. Okay. And I'm there, and I'm kind of like, wow, that could really, this seems like a really amazing place. And, you know, I ended up in the interview. They offered me the job on the spot. I'm a young 21-year-old. Oh, my goodness. Um, I'm going to be three years older than the kids I was teaching. Right, right. And I remember bringing my, my contract home to my parents and say, hey, look, I got offered a job. And, of course, they had paid for all of my education, paid for me to go wherever I wanted. And my dad looked at me and says, I don't really think this is going to be a good fit. He was looking at it financially. Right, and I, right. And I said, Dad, I just got a feeling this is where God's calling me to be. I'm going to part with you on this one. You know, long story short on that one, too, my parents are fully invested in the school and right. love, love. Interesting, and yeah. Their grandkids are there now. Right. And they're supporters of the school. And um, it's been in a, I look back, that's been 25 years ago. 25 years ago. 
No regrets. No regrets. Wow. You know, I took a season and, and pastored for about three years okay. um, in, in youth ministry, actually working for a church. You stepped away from the school? Stepped away from the school, um, really wanting and hoping to connect even more intimately with, with, with youth and in helping them and discipling. The whole time I'm, I'm there, I'm missing the power of a whiteboard, a teacher in their classroom and mm-hmm. sharing ideas. And, you know, at a Christian school, you get to look at God from the angle of science. You can look at him from the angle of math. Right. You look at him from the angle of on the football field. Field, sure. And it's almost like you've got this big, gigantic youth group, and you see kids way more in a school setting mm. than you ever get to do as a youth pastor. And yep, so right. about three years after that, there was an opportunity to come back to the school and, and, and be a teacher, and I, and I jumped at it. Um, and here I sit as superintendent. Here. It just happened almost overnight. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Counterculture with Jonathan Sanborn. We have Jeff Blake, superintendent of Phoenix Christian Preparatory School, and just having a fantastic conversation. So this school is what what's you know, there's many schools. Every school has some kind of mission statement, things that they want to accomplish in the lives of children. But this, but there's some things that have been unique about the journey of the school that I that stand out to me, and I think was why I thought resonates so much with what we're trying to do in the show. So why don't you just tell me what the little makes what's what's something different about Phoenix Christian? Oh, you bet. So the school can trace its history all the way back to 1902, and then oh um, started in Kansas, moved to the to the Arizona in in 1912. And then really uh, anchored down deep um, in the central corridor part of our city, 19th Avenue Indian School in 1949. Okay. And so for, for you know, heavens, 50, 60 years, the school operated under a covenant model. Um, but we had been serving, um, let's fast forward all the way back to the 1990s. We had been serving some international students from all over the world. Mm-hmm. Many of them were coming from China and, and didn't really understand what it meant to be a Christian. At that time, we were a covenant model. In order to get into the school, the students had to have some kind of a statement of faith. Okay. Many of the international students did not. Okay. That opened the door for us to really decide, we really think God's calling us to be a missional school. That would mean a student could come to Phoenix Christian having never read Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Right. And we had a real unique opportunity when we hire all staff, whether it be they're working in the cafeteria or they're, or they're, or they're leading the school, whatever it is, mm-hmm. we, we identify them as living curriculum. That okay. a student's going to mm-hmm. watch and read the way they live their lives, and then we take a really powerful, in-depth, missional approach to that. Mm. You couple that with remarkable things in the state of Arizona like the, the STOs, the state tax credit program where, yes. where an individual or a corporation can redirect their tax liability. God flipped Christian education on its head at Phoenix Christian. We missionally said we're committed to the central part of our city, and kids come from all over our city to be there, and that finances are no longer in the way. And so one of the wow. things that we proudly boast and celebrate is that we're a school of no majority. There's about a third Caucasian, a third a Latino, and a third African-American, and about 30 to 35 students from all over the world. All over the world. Infant through 12th grade. That's incredibly like incredibly diverse, which a lot of people uh, uh, like the idea of diversity, but that's authentic diversity. You no know, doubt. Of, but yeah. And it's socioeconomic on top of that. Yeah. So there's kids getting piling out of fancy cars and their you know, parents are dropping them off in the morning. There's kids piling out of city buses. And we also port, partner with an amazing organization called Heart for the City that, mm. that buses about right now. I think there's 42 students that get bussed in. So if those kids happen to be asleep, Heart for the City will go get them out of bed and bring them <laughs> on to school. Oh, We're proud to partner with them. And so we do have a very beautiful, rich, diverse. And so that's another hidden um, dimension of the curriculum is list mm. all these types of people groups learning to live together and operate Fantastic. within kingdom definitions. Yeah. So I, I, I find that absolutely amazing. Uh, one is that you changed 
like your original mission, a covenant, and I could just see that being that's the way it is. This is who we are. But you're actually saying, no, this who we are is on mission and first and foremost. And so we have to, we can have to adjust these other things so it fits the mission of what we're trying to accomplish. And you also could have relocated for greener pastures, so to speak, because that's not exactly the, the the right socioeconomic to really grow a, a big school. And if you talk to any any member of the board of trustees or those that have supported the school for a long time, they won't say it was designed by human eyes it was, or minds. It was designed really by God making it really very clear. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to say that we hadn't considered moving out to greener pastures. We've, right. There's been three or four opportunities to do that. When we consider and begin to investigate those paths, the Lord made it very clear, and he shut those doors hard. Mm. Also, the decision to become missional was was expensive for us. There are some families that they, that wasn't what they signed up for, and we right. did. And we there was some families that transitioned from the sure. school. Those were hard times. Those were yeah. families that were multi generational at the school. But really, the Lord uses those difficult seasons as a refinement to really clarify: this is what I've called you to do. This is who I've called you to be. Mm. Go after it. And one of the things that we're we're seeing right now is obviously. Enrollment is increasing. Um, those investing in the school are increasing, and people are people are inspired by the missional pursuit of what we're about. Mm. And that's, I mean, there's a lot a lot of talk in education about uh, there, a lot of the the wars in our culture coming into the into the classroom. And there's a sense that you're on mission to that, and that would be a normal sense that we need to be d- different from what the world is saying. And so many Christian schools, I, I grew up went to a Christian school, viewed themselves in opposition to worldly thing. In some ways, would create an, a separate identity. And you've done that to. I mean, in some ways, you're away from the world. You're obviously teaching something very different. Yet at the same time, you're not viewing yourself just in opposition. To no, culture. right. No, I really appreciate that. We're we're in the world as Christ would teach us, but not of the world. Yeah, and to allow you know the, the school environment ideally is a safe place for kids to make mistakes and mm-hmm. for kids to learn and grow, to meet them where they're at. Mm-hmm. To you know, it's, and the world clearly all around us is questioning everything from from gender to race, sure, and everything in the, between. Which people that thought were just basic questions that everyone assumed or everyone's questioning. And now you have an opportunity to really speak in this and allow a missional, the way we're missionally positioned allows for a very transparent dialogue with the student. Mm-hmm. Now, when families enroll their, their children, we sit down with the principals in a very intimate, private conversation and really say, this is, this is the DNA of the school. This is what right. we're about. We're Christ-centered. This is our statement of, of belief. And, and let the parents know that transparently. And if there's concern with that, that's the time to, to maybe part right. ways. But for us to say, this is where we're going. This is what we're about. Um, we're, we're honored and, and full of joy to serve your family and, and, mm. and guide your students to the next level. You know, as an educator, it's, e- it's easy, somewhat easy, to take students that are high-performing and strong, you know, right. strong mom and dad type situation families, you know. Um, with a lot of support at home, it's, it's, it's a little easier to kind of guide those students to academic mm-hmm. success. It is a whole other thing to take, to take students for where they're at, whatever school they're transitioning from or their home environments look like, and to say, this is where you're at, mm-hmm. but this is where you're going, and this mm-hmm. is what we want for you. For example, when they graduate from Phoenix Christian, you t- half of our graduating class um, are first-generation college students. Those, That's huge. It's huge, and those yeah. students aren't earning. Now, you keep in mind, it's a smaller setting, so these right. Between 50 and 60 kids. These kids are, um, half of them are first generation college students. They're earning on average per student 15 dual enrollment credits for college. 
On the high end, those kids are earning up to 41 dual enrollment credits, and they're earning on average $3 million in scholarship, making higher education affordable. Wow. And so we're also looking to help break um, some cycles of, of, of poverty. Of poverty. Yeah. So that's really addressing key. Well, that's really super encouraging to hear that that's and, – and that was my next question was like what is your metric? What does you really feel like at, when you get up? It's like I want this to happen. We use, is, it, is it scholarship money? Is it kids going off to college? What is it to you that is the metric? First and foremost, you know, it happened uh, – it's happened the last two – It's honestly, I think it's happened, Jonathan, the last three years is a student particularly – and this isn't the, this isn't the metric, but this is just what happens. We want this for every student. But as it's happened the last two years, two students who have graduated the top of their class from the international program that were that happened to be Chinese students said, mm-hmm. "I came to Phoenix Christian and never knew the name of Jesus. I now go home to my family with the mm-hmm. most powerful name I know, and I want to wow. share that with my family." Wow. So, the, so the over the plate pitch for us every day is that the students have an encounter with the living with the living God mm. and that that transforms everything that they're about. Now, in addition to that, if we can if we can enhance scholasticism and higher and, and opportunity for college, sure. meet them where they're at, take them to the next level. One of the amazing things um, that we've been able to do too um, is people have invested in the school and and, and, and programs you know, we've got three or four reading specialists. And so one of the things that we noticed, even though we're a private school, we were noticing a lot of our students, particularly in the elementary, reading below grade level, were able to bring in three or four reading specialists, mm. meet the kids where they're at, guide them to the next level. In addition, when we're looking at their standardized test scores, we're intentionally pursuing systems that begin preparing students as early as third grade for their ACT tests. Wow. And so they can perform with excellence come that junior, senior right. year when they're taking those exams. They can get the college dollars. We see where they're at, and we can be making adjustments where they're at, meeting them where they're at, and guiding them to the next level. What's the fantastic? What is the one, like, is there the story that comes to mind, like, when you, like, I want this is why this school exists. I mean, you've given some already some examples, but what is really like? That's such an interesting question. It, 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 immediately, what comes to my mind is I, you know, I, just this past weekend, I was mm-hmm. walk, I walked the dog up to Starbucks, sat down and had a had a had a drink, sit there on the patio, and from behind me, I can say, I can hear, Mister Blake, and I turn around, and there stood a young man that went to Phoenix Christian probably eight, nine, ten years ago. Mm-hmm. And when he was there, he was troubled. He was in the in and out of the principal's office at least once a week. When he left Phoenix Christian, he got himself in a little bit of trouble with the law. Mm. And I'm aware that there was there was a shooting. Uh, he ended up in the hospital in intensive care for weeks and weeks and weeks. He was he was struggling with drug abuse. Mm. He was in a really dark place. And I turn around, looked at this fellow in the eye, big strong, strapping athlete. This kid could have written his check anywhere. Right. To whatever. He, wow. he was just a top-tier athlete. But because of his struggles, he got derailed. And there he stood, and he says, hey, I want you to meet my wife. Introduce his wife to me, and he says, I'm at peace. Wow. And I'm learning to walk with God. Mm. And for us to realize long-term mm-hmm. what we want is for the student to have a living encounter, a, a life-changing encounter with the living Lord. Um, and let everything else fall in place from there. That's 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 the number one thing. Wow. Yeah. You, yeah, that's it. That really what it comes down to. That per, that's the, a true life that has been changed. And this is a student that wouldn't under the under the covenant model have been admitted to Phoenix Christian. Yeah. And by and large, um, the students are largely monumentally receptive 
to what we're about and introducing the living Lord and not and not forcing it on them. Yeah. Um, allowing an open dialogue for the kids to question and just be transparent where they're at. What is um, what is the ways that our listeners can get involved? And in, I mean, it's just you're, it, it's a school, but how can our listeners learn more about what you're doing? And simply by getting involved with the state tuition tax credit program through an amazing organization, ACSTO, Arizona School Tuition Credit. I'm going to botch that up, but acsto.org. An individual can redirect their private tax liability, and it will go right now immediately to a student that could not otherwise afford to be at a school like Phoenix Christian to be there. And if you're a decision maker in a corporation, um, there's an opportunity. I just would love for you to reach out um, to myself or the school. Um, and You could help redirect a corporation's tax liability. It doesn't cost you anything, but you, I, I'm telling you right now, it changes kids' lives for eternity mm. and strengthens a school anchored right in the heart of our city, 19th Avenue at Indian School, seeking to be a beacon of light, mm. and it is a proven beacon for the last 72 years. One thing, too, also, just that's great to hear. Please, so AC... ACSTO. ACSTO. Dot org. org. Yep. Um, love hearing about the mission of your school. I loved walking the grounds and seeing you personally and just at shining. I also love you're a team player. He's, you know, it's not the one he's working with other organizations. He's connecting with other local churches, connecting with other organ, you know, other team, you know, just all the part, the elements of the kingdom all coming together. That, that to me shows a real kingdom mindset and I'm very impressed. So Jeff, this has been a great conversation. Thank you. Really appreciated this time. It went fast. I mean, I thought we it's like, I thought we just started, but just loved hearing about your, the school on mission and God bless you and your ministry. Very encouraging. Thank you. For, I'm grateful for what you do and care portal and just honored to, to be a part of what you're doing as well. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. You bet. Thank you for listening today. Counterculture is made possible by Care Portal, helping local churches help children and families in crisis. Sign up you and your church today at careportal.org. This program was sponsored by Care Portal. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.